On this episode of Tamarindo, we speak to Naive Reynoso, the founder of Contodo Press, a publishing company dedicated to celebrating Latino leaders and culture through its children's books. We talk about what led her to start her publishing company, why she thinks girls should play sports, and what she's learned as an entrepreneur along the way. Her latest book, Courageous Camila, is officially out on December 8th. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast, hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. What's up, y'all? Welcome back, Tamarindo Amigis. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Miércoles, because that's when this podcast comes out. <laughs> if you're listening to it right when it drops. I'm really excited today because we're doing this podcast in partnership with Contodo Press, and you're going to learn all about Contodo Press in just a moment. We're joined by Naibe Reynoso, a Mexican-American multi-Emmy award-winning journalist, speaker, and author, who's also the founder of a lot of great things, including Latina Fest, LLC. And as if that wasn't enough, in 2018, she created Contodo Press, a publishing company that creates books to amplify the voices of underrepresented communities, which is what we're all about. So we're so excited to speak to Naibe. I had the great fortune of going to Latina Fest recently. That was a ton of fun. We will get right into it. But before we do all that, Ana Sheila, ¿cómo estás? ¿Qué pasa contigo? Girl, I am tired. <laughs> um, just We've just been doing a lot of coaching. We've been doing a lot of work for Tamarindo. But, you know, I feel tired, but very como fulfilled. And that's because it's been such a good mix of like getting to coach, getting to do creative work. And also I've been doing a lot of learning this week. I tried a new vegan recipe this week. But anyways, um, one thing that's been really cool is I'm taking a course with my therapist, Nora Alwa. Shout out to her. I'll give her a little matraca. She is um, black and white. She is Muslim, but grew up in Denmark. She is queer and it's just so, and also speaks Spanish. And so it's so special to find someone that really understands the context of all of your identities. And so in addition to her being my therapist, I started taking her course Um targeted it's it's for in-betweeners what she calls in-betweeners what we have often called ni de aquí ni de allá or now somos de aquí de allá and it's a course for people that are navigating between identities i know for me it's also being queer and and growing up not totally identifying with the identity of woman that i of a woman that i was sort of taught and so it's a course that is exploring sort of the trauma and difficulty in growing up in that way, but also our superpowers. So we're both unpacking the ways in which we may have been stunted or how that those identities not feeling totally in place has hurt us, but also feeling into what our unique strengths and gifts are. And so it's something that we've talked about, you know, before a little bit on the show, but it's been really cool to take a course that's really focused more on that and really doing the healing, but also really like finding out like what is our true gift from this particular identity of navigating between multiple identities? That, so, yeah. That sounds really <laughs> wonderful. And also, I understand why you're exhausted because all of this is work, like literal work of sending emails, but, but also the emotional work that you're doing. And I'm so excited about the guest we have today because I think in many ways, 
con todo press, writing stories that show what is possible and letting the imagination of being able to be an astronaut or a professional athlete or Supreme Court justice, all of these stories that are told to children through the books that Contodo Press produces, in many ways, kind of, um, I imagine a generation that's not going to be as burdened with this Nirakini Daya trauma. So matraka to our guest today, because it, it's all connected, right? All of this stuff is connected. Yeah. What about you, Brenda? ¿Qué pasa contigo? My super quick ¿qué pasa? It's totally not important. But in case folks are missing the honey brand muffin that used to be at Mimi's Cafe, which is where I worked for several years, and they discontinued it, you can also find a very similar honey brand muffin at the kettle in Manhattan Beach, which is where I was this morning after <laughs> running five miles with two, actually with one friend that I absolutely adore. And then the other friend joined us at the kettle and I had a honey brand muffin. So that was my amazing <laughs> que pasa day to, today. And um, I love that. Very niche content. Very niche. Um, going back a little bit to your cooking, because I really enjoy cooking. It's like really relaxing to me, but I am, I've realized that you and I and Ashela are probably both undiagnosed ADD because we're kind of, it's really hard for us to focus. We're all over the place. It's crazy, y'all. In addition to putting a lot of work <laughs> yeah. to do this podcast, imagine two very, very like, scattery brain people <laughs> that sometimes focus and do amazing things, that they, but many times do not. Anyways, that is how right. I cook. That is how I cook. Like, it's a mess. There's 300 pots going. I'm curious, how does it look when you cook? Girl, when I did this recipe last night, you should have seen my kitchen. It looked like an earthquake or a tornado, rather a tornado hit the kitchen. But you know what helped me is actually I was listening to my course as I was cooking so I was doing two things at once, but it actually helped me focus a little more somehow. It, it made it a little more relaxing for me because normally it is not relaxing for me. Cooking can be stressful. So that was that was a cool little discovery. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It might be, you know, here's a thought. <laughs> we can... We can make additional content for our awesome fans where it could be a, a YouTube show where Ana Sheila and Brenda try to do a recipe and like the mess that that would make, <laughs> I think would be hilarious. Bueno, Ana Sheila, let's get right into our fantastic conversation with Naive Reynoso, who is behind Con Todo Press. Lovely conversation that Ana Sheila and Naive had. Today, we're joined by Naive Reynoso. Thank you so much for joining us on Tamarindo today. Gracias por tenerme. Thank you for having me. Of course, we're so excited. So I want to start off. So you are a multi-award-winning journalist who has now started her own publishing company. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey that led to the creation of Con Todo Press? Yeah. Um, well, I've been, like you, meant, like you said, I've been a journalist for over 25 years, almost 30 years. And I've always, wh whatever company I've worked at as a journalist, I've always really made a point to, to write stories, to highlight my community, my Latino community in a positive way. So I've always liked to write and I've always liked to highlight my Latino community. I'm a mom as well. I have a boy and a girl. And, um, when I started listening to you know, the horrible messaging that was being said about Latino, the Latino community, specifically about Mexicans and immigrants back in uh, 2015, when a certain person was running for president that eventually won the presidency back then. Um, it really terrified me as a mother. It terrified me as a Latina. It terrified me as a journalist. 
because I feel like, you know, much like not to compare it, but I'm going to compare it much like coronavirus. That's an invisible virus that, you know, is, is floating around in the air. You can't really see it, but once it hits you and it invades your body, it could really do damage. And I feel like words of hate, hate speech is the same type of concept where it's the words are out there. Once you spew them out, especially in in a mass media way, um, like Trump did, let's just call it out. Um, it's out there in, 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 in the air. And when it lands on innocent souls, like children, it really can damage their self-esteem. Um, it plants that seed of doubt. It plants that seed of like, maybe I am a rapist, like, like what, uh, a gang member, a criminal, a drug Lord, et cetera, a burden to society. So as a mom, that was kind of like my watershed moment. Uh, so to speak of like me just really, it was a call to action. I was just fed up. I, I always wanted to write books. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but when, when that started happening, it was like no more excuses. Like this is bigger than me. This is bigger than my insecurities. This is bigger than my self doubt. This, that was the moment where I'm like, forget, forget my insecurities. Ain't nobody got time for that. I just need to do something to create quote a vaccine for this hate speech that is going to really create damage to our Latino children. Um, so then that's why that was like the seed that was planted to create books that really celebrated Latino leaders, because guess what? We're not gang members and gang lords and criminals. Every culture has a little bit of that. Obviously we're not all perfect, but we are us as Latinos. We are astronauts. We're inventors. We're Supreme court justices. We're Oscar winners. We are scientists, we're astronauts. And I really wanted to show that to our Latino children and not only to the Latinos, but to other cultures, because obviously what other cultures hear about us, they're going to kind of like react to that and treat us accordingly. Right. So if they hear, if other cultures or if other communities hear, oh, you know, I hear that Mexicans are gang members and that they're a burden to society. That's how we're going to be treated. So I really wanted classrooms and educators and teachers and librarians to have these books that really showcase Latinos in a positive way, because we do contribute so much to society. And we have been an important part of what America is today. And we never get the credit we never get the credit that we deserve. We, we just don't. We are all, we've, us as Latinos, we've always been a sidebar. We've, we've always been an afterthought. And that really needs to change. I have more books on the way that, that are really going to um, hopefully change the paradigm of how our community has been seen for so long in this country. So I have other books that I'm really excited about that I'm developing as we speak. For example, I have a book that I'm developing about 11 foods from Latin America or created by Latin from Latin Americans that changed the world, like chocolate, potato, corn, um, so many others, right. That really have, have impacted the world. So in a nutshell, that's, that's what started my Contolo Press journey. I love that. And I love that, that you just mentioned that book that you're working on about 11 foods that change the world. I recently was in Michoacan and I was learning all about chocolate and it was just so powerful to see um, 
the seeds of this, what's become, you know, a global phenomenon that we all get to enjoy. And um, another thing that, that you shared that, that really stood out to me is how the messages that we're hearing not only affect how we are treated, but we also start to internalize. And I think all of us, especially people of color, Latinos, we as adults are working to undo the internalized uh, oppression and even internalized racism that we've, that we've sort of just is ingrained in us. And um, I have, there's actually a study that showed, and I can't remember if it was just um, black children or black and brown children, but they measured how they performed on standardized tests. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to, they had to um, note if they, you know, their, their race before taking the test and then also after taking the test, and they actually saw a difference in them noting their race before yeah. taking the test. Like they actually scored lower when they noted their race right. um, before taking the exam. Right. And it's 2021. There is no reason why we should still be as oppressed as we are now, because as you know, Latinos, Mexicanos, everyone from Latin America, we've been victims of colonization, right? And and it's like we have our, our collective self-esteem has been beaten down to a pulp and it still is beaten down to this day because of those messagings that I, that I, you know, described back in 2015 that still perpetuate to this day because, um, certain organizations and groups use that hate speech to empower themselves, to be able to discriminate against Latinos, to say that we shouldn't speak our language. You know, we've seen a lot of people being attacked at different stores for speaking Spanish, etc. So, you know, why is our, our collective self-esteem is so um, low? I'm not saying individually. We all have different levels of self-esteem. But as a whole, as a culture, we are beaten down. We need to find that inner warrior, that guerreras que somos, because our ancestors are survivors and we are guerreras, right? So we. Um, that's why my next book, Courageous Camila, a story about finding your inner warrior, talks a little bit about that, talks about the history of us being warriors and, and finding that inner warrior and that inner courage and bravery um, so we can face life in a courageous way and really truly, um, you know, be the badass people that that we are. And we are. The, the, the sad thing is society doesn't reflect that because, as you know, a lot of the statistics, statistics don't lie, Right. Why is it that we're almost 20% of the population and almost across the board in every single aspect of power, whether it's politics, media, sports, children's books, we're still only five, you know, five to 6% of representation because we are not given the opportunity because some, some of us are shy to seek out those opportunities because institutional racism still exists. So there's still so much work to be done. And, um, you know, these children's books for me is that little drop in the bucket to hopefully change the tide. And, you know, I I think there's a lot of amazing, great work being done in the adult space, like uh, a lot of movements happening, which is much needed. But we also have to start from when children are at five, six, seven years old, when their self-esteem is being formed so that way they can feel empowered. Um, you know, I, I feel like sometimes when you're in high school, it's too late already. You already feel like doubting, you know, you already feel like you don't fit in. What's my place in America? But when you when you are given a very healthy view of yourself as a Latina in this country at a young age, then that will help you to become whatever you want to become, 
with the, the supreme confidence that we should all have, as opposed to, you know, feeling inadequate or less than or othered, etc. Yes, yes. I love that. And I love that really reminding ourselves that we are guerreros and guerreras, especially in this time right now where it does feel like we're sort of, you know, getting a lot of pushback, a lot of regression in, in a lot of areas where, where I felt like we were making a lot of progress. So it's been hard to feel like even more, sort of more hate in some ways. So it's just reminding us that we are guerreros, we are guerreras. And, and working together, I think, reminding us ourselves that, that we are not alone. You know, we, there's so many people that are working actively to change the tide, as you shared. And I love how you phrased it, doing what we can to sort of, this is like our vaccine to, for the hate. I love, I love, I love what you said, how, how you said that. And just thinking about what are we all doing? What, what are we all doing to add to that vaccine against hate? And I think what you're, what you're doing is, is, is part of that, part of that work. Definitely. Um, I'd love to to learn a little bit more about uh, Courageous Camila, which is dropping, I believe, on December eighth. Is that is that correct? That's correct. It's already available on um, Kindle, you know, as an ebook. But as far as the hardcover is available December eighth, I am so excited about it because the first books that Cotola Press created weren't nonfiction biography books, and I'm going to keep doing that. But you know, I also wanted to create fictional characters that embody what I think we should embody um, or our community should embody, which is bravery, courage, finding that, you know, that inner warrior that we all have. So Courageous Camila basically is about a little brown girl in Los Angeles who um, her mama is an immigrant, her mama sells tamales, much like a lot of our parents. Um, they bond at the laundromat. I used to go to the laundromat with my mom when I was little because we couldn't afford a washer and dryer in our house. So this book, basically, you see the world through her, her eyes where, you know, she's a Mexican-American or a Latina. I never really say where she's. Yeah, Mexican-American. At the laundromat, right next to her, there's a jujitsu studio. She gets she's curious about it. Her mom encourages her to to take jujitsu. Um, and it was important for me to pick a non-traditional sport because I think, uh, you know, at, us as Latinos in this country, we are exposed to so many different things outside of our comfort zone, right? It's not just so football, soccer. We're exposed to surfing and skateboarding and so many other things. Um, so I wanted her to explore a non-traditional sport. So she, her mom pushes her to do jujitsu and her mom constantly reminds her, like, Obviously, for a main character to to be relatable, they need to have weaknesses. And Camila's weakness is that she doesn't believe in herself. Her Camila's weakness is that she doubts herself. So her mom, you know, encourages her, pushes her, reminds her that they do come from a long line of guerreras, and her last name is Guerrera, um, Camila Guerrera. Um, and she, through that constant encouragement from her mom and from the simple examples she sees of people in her neighborhood, like her Primo Beto, who's a skateboarder and has no fear on the skateboard. She learns, you know, she kind of admires his like bravery of just getting on a skateboard, etc. Anyway, she realizes that the, even though Camila loves reading books about heroes and legends and superheroes, in that critical moment of her last jujitsu match, she looks over at her mom and she realizes that 
she has an epiphany moment that her mom is the greatest warrior she's ever met because then she kind of remembers like, wow, my mom came to this country. She didn't, she learned English. She became a citizen. She started her own tamale business. My mom's the greatest warrior of all. And then she uses that to feel empowered to win the match. And what I'm trying to attempt or achieve in this book is to, you know, to see that us as Latina, um, as Latinas and Latinos, sometimes we see our parents, we only see the part of suffering, of lack, of, you know, um, possibly abuse and mistreatment. But we also have to see the other side of their bravery and their chingoneria and their um, how awesome and kick-ass they are, right? Because there's such a duality there. And we have to embrace that duality. It's not like I said, you know, my mom is extremely humble and very soft-spoken. And you would never think, you would never think my mom is like a guerrera because she's so like humble and soft-spoken. Yet she raised four daughters on her own. One of them's a lawyer, went, graduated from UCLA Law School. One of them is graduating from USC Pharmacy School. One of them is me, a four-time Emmy Award-winning journalist. And my other sister is a awesome teacher. So it's like, you know, she's an awesome Guerrera that taught us those skills. And we have to recognize that from our um, parents and grandparents that teach us those, those skills of, of thriving, of being Guerreras, of, you know, finding our inner warrior when we doubt. Because sometimes I know me being raised here in Los Angeles, I was ashamed of my mom when I was growing up, when, when my mom, my mom was a seamstress. She worked at a, um, at a factory as a seamstress and she couldn't afford a backpack. So she made a backpack for me. And I remember feeling embarrassed that, you know, I didn't have a Jansport. I didn't have a cool backpack. I had a homemade backpack. Um, I felt embarrassed that she worked at a sweatshop, et cetera. And now it's like pride. And now I feel pride that, that I was raised by a mother that did whatever she had to do to, raise four daughters that all graduated from college that are all kicking ass in their own fields. Um, so, you know, I feel like sometimes Latinos, a lot of times our parents are at a disadvantage because they came here, you know, with third grade level, fourth grade level, like my mom. And we tend to admire what, what we are told to admire on television, the educated mom. You know, I remember, I watched ET and I always wanted my mom to be the mom from ET, you know, the, the, the tall, elegant woman that, you know, dressed cute and had makeup on and blah, blah, blah. And I, and, and it's like, now that I'm a grown up woman, I'm like, Oh my God, I had it so wrong. And, um, anyway, this book to make a long story short is really meant to, for us to really embrace and honor our parents, no matter how humble they are, and to really recognize the guerreras that they are, you know, our moms and dads, and to have pride in that, and to use that as part of our, you know, growing our our sense of identity as strong Latinas and Latinos. I hope that made sense. <laughs> yes, I I no, a- that's, I think that I love it. And I think that'll resonate with so many of our listeners, just how many of us have also had that sort of como reflection, like, 
we sort of took our parents, our, our moms, especially their strength, their guerreraness for, for granted until we reflect, we're like, oh my God, like my mom was so bold in bringing us here and building a house and guiding us, like taking care of us in ways that when we're growing up, we sort of just take for granted. Our parents created miracles. Right. <laughs> and I think challenging that narrative of what power, powerful and strong and what a guerrera and guerrero really looks like is, is, is so important. And, um, that's exactly and yeah, so it. I think that's such a powerful message. That's exactly it. It's, it's, um, re rephrasing what that, what is a guerrera? A guerrera is someone that makes something beautiful from nothing, right. And raises women and men that become productive members of society. Yeah. I also really love that, you know, the, the focus of a little girl, you know, playing a sport and especially non traditional sport, but just a sport period. Cause I myself love sports growing up. And I remember I always would cling to the few representations that I would see of women playing sports in media. I remember I really loved the, the, the movie love and basketball. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I was a basketball player and that for me, I was like, Oh my God, I never see that or a league of their own, which is, I don't know if you've, if you've ever seen that movie, but it's about, um, women that, that end up playing baseball in the, during world war two. But anyways, I remember clinging to those because there was such little representation and how important it is to keep seeing that representation because little girls want to play sports también. And also because of the sexism that we still see so much around women playing sports. I'm a big sports fan. So I follow different media channels and you would not believe the, se- you, you be- if you, if you're wondering if sexism is still alive, see what happens when, um, a sport um, platform like ESPN or or, or, or Bleacher, um, they if they do a post on women's basketball, for example, like for example, the WNBA finals happened just recently. They had one post, you know, wishing the the winners well, or a few, you know, a few posts. And like, if you read the comments, it's all about there's no viewers, like make me a sandwich. Um, no one's watching this, and. It's really disheartening. It's like there's if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. But literally thousands of men will go on these posts just specifically to bring women playing basketball or any other sport down. And so that's why I really love what you're doing, because there's still so much work to do. Oh, yeah. And I could I have so much to say regarding Latinas in sports because my daughter um, plays lacrosse in college. She was, she was actually recruited to play D1 lacrosse. And that was another reason that I wanted to do this book because she was the only Latina on the field. Like most of the time, 99.9% of the time that I would go watch her play in tournaments, she was the only Latina. Everyone else was, was white. Um, and that's the case for a lot of sports. As a matter of fact, when I was doing my research for the book, I, I ran across this report the Tides report, which is created by the Institute for Diversity and Ethics in Sports, and of the total female student athletes in Division One, Two, II, and Three combined in the year 2019 to 2020, Hispanics and Latinas represented only 6.1 percent of all you know all of the athletes in these collegiate sports, which is obviously a reflection of our participation as a whole in general you know, even in the high school level. And it's through my daughter's journey of delving into sports and through me um, seeing all of the benefits that it's brought to her life, like mentors, the, the ability to have this amazing activity that really, 
you know, um, increased her self-esteem, increased her, her, a positive body image of herself because she would exercise and eat healthy and, and like have a really positive connection to her body. Um, you know, all the health benefits that come from exercising and all of the access that comes from belonging to a sport in, in high school. And I'm not advocating, oh, every Latina should aim to be a D1 athlete or, D, you know, go into professional sports. But I think we need to not be intimidated by practicing sports at any level, whether you're five years old doing soccer, six, seven, eight, it doesn't matter because sports in this country is, is an integral part. It's like, to me, I call it the dirty little, the dirty little secret. That's not so secret because as you know, sports is such a major, major part of American culture. I mean, it runs sports is, is sports and politics are neck and neck. Right. But we don't, we see it as such a benign thing of like, Oh, you know, it doesn't matter if we're not involved in sports. It's just sports. It's just a game, but that's not true because when you belong to a sport, whether you're in high school or junior high, it really does open up a lot of other opportunities. Like I said, like I said, access to men free mentor mentorship from, you know, from these, your coaches, um, be having a sense of community. It gives you better, uh, a leg up on your college application, because if you've been involved in sports, it definitely gives you a leg up because now you've, you have these, you know, you're more of a well-rounded student. Um, it can open careers in sports, not, not necessarily as an athlete, but as an administrator or on the backside of sports, which is, there's hardly any Latina representation in the NFL or in any other major sports on the back end, right? Um, and those are great opportunities. And why aren't we having access to that piece of the pie too? That's such an important part. And, and it's an elite part of this country. We need to be part of that. We need to get a piece of that pie. So as, like I said, my daughter got a scholarship, a partial scholarship. She's gotten so many offers. She's actually been on ESPN playing lacrosse because she was an all American. And like I said, I've seen all of these opportunities, but she was the only Mexican, only Latina, only Latina, which is breaks my heart because I feel like, you know, we are being shut out from all of these opportunities. Um, there shouldn't just be one Latina in lacrosse or only 6% in across the board. We should, there should be 20% um, because for every person that's participating on in a sport in whatever level, that person is getting opportunities. Like I said, scholarship, mentorship, so many opportunities, and we, we, we're not getting equal access to that. So that's my spiel as far as Latinas in sports. Yes. Well, I was, I only um, was a, a high school athlete, but I was the captain of my tennis team. And, and I do remember that being the, some of the greatest memories of, of my high school career was, was, you know, being a leader and being in community. And, and so, yeah, I, I very much um, agree. And a lot of that resonates with me. So I, I, I'd love to just, so I know that, you know, with Contodo Press and then Latina Fest, you ventured into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Is there, you know, we, we often tell our listeners, like we advocate for them really doing what, what fills their, their, what fills their heart and really going after their dreams. Um, but it can be hard, right. To be an entrepreneur and, and, and create something of your own. Is there maybe just one or two tips that, that you want to share that have really, um, made a difference as, as you've been on this, this entrepreneurship journey? 
So, yeah, I mean, I've met so many. I, I co-founded Latina Fest, which is a festival, a yearly festival that celebrates all things Latina and is a platform to showcase Latina entrepreneurs that are just starting or kind of a little bit ahead, but maybe not million dollar companies, but are just starting their entrepreneurial journey. So me also, I started my entrepreneurial journey in 2018. And I guess the tip I would give is like, no, no passion is too small or too, um, too, I guess too small. And, and let me give you an example. In, at, through Latina Fest, I've met people that have made a business out of knitting, out of creating slime, out of creating stickers, out of tie-dyeing, out of creating um, mugs, out of creating plants or, you know, cute plant pottery. So they've, they've made a, a business and a side hustle and some of them a full-time job and business through those passions that us, sometimes us as Latinas, we feel like, Oh, it, you know, the only way to, to make money is to play with the big dogs. Like, I don't know, go into wall street or, or open up a big, something big, a big store, but just start small with that one passion that you have, whether, like I said, whether it's knitting or, or write, you know, in my case, my passion was writing and highlighting my community. So that's why I created children's books and just start, start, like put one foot in front of the other, one step at a time and start with one, one product. That's like your big major product. And then just grow from there and really don't doubt yourself. Um, don't second guess yourself because there is absolutely no product or passion that's too small to not make it into a business, especially now with like the internet and with social media, there's so many niche communities that are looking for those specific products. Um, so yeah, just really, but you have to listen to your heart and you can't, I know this is going to sound cheesy, but you can't do it. Um, because you feel like this is going to be the next big thing. You have to do something that you really is your true passion that you're really in, in love with. You know, it's, it's kind of like marrying for love as opposed to marrying for, um, money. Um, not that, not that money isn't important because it's really important, but your passion comes first as far as the direction of, you know, where, where should I start? What kind of business should I start? Right. And, and, um, yeah, money will come if you are working on that passion, if you have that expertise and, and keep going. I, I love that. Um, okay, so now we're at the point of our interview where we like to ask our guests our rapid fire questions. So the first one is, what would you like to give a matraca to? So this is something you're loving or want to give a shout out to. And it can be a person, place, thing, concept, super silly, whatever just comes to you that, that you want to give a shout out to. I really love... That's something that I think uh, post pandemic gave us is, is the ability to free ourselves from the chains of the nine to five of the square mentality of like, this is, there's only one way to live life. It really gave us that freedom to work remotely, move somewhere, you know, think outside of the box. It really shook, shook that, shook us up. And that is, and I'm, I love it. I love that. We are as a society, as Americans here in this country where we were so married to a specific way of living and doing life 
that it's opened our eyes to other ways of, of living life. Yes. I mean, I moved to Mexico after wanting to do it for years and years. I moved back to Mexico in, in COVID. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that that helped me finally do it también. So yeah, I love that. How about basura? What do you want to put in la basura? Something I put in la basura yesterday was so many emails. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, my, my uh, Gmail is like constantly full and I'm constantly throwing stuff away. It's just like, I feel like I'm a email hoarder. You know, like, I don't know what to throw away. I don't know what to save. So a la basura is like, you know, having a full email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I literally had to create a new email account because I just couldn't deal with all the how <laughs> I definitely am a confessed email hoarder. So <laughs> just create a new one, create a new one. I know, huh? and just like, let that one go. Like, just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good thing about it being virtual that, you know, it's not like if you're a real hoarder that you have a bunch of stuff that you have to get rid of. You can just, your email, just, just get rid of it and <laughs> you don't have to put it anywhere. But you know, it's always um, that, what if that one email is the key to yeah. my future and I <laughs> accidentally uh, trashed it. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. And so lastly, what is giving you calma? So what is something that is keeping you grounded right now? I started um, weightlifting, believe it or not. And it's giving me a lot of calma. And I'm not talking about Olympic weightlifting. I'm talking about, you know, um, you know, um, low weights or, or small weights. But like, I never imagined myself as like weightlifting. And that's really, really giving me a lot of calma. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, I started weightlifting a few years ago también. And um, we always think of it, especially as women, it's like, oh no, it's going to mean you're going to get really big muscles or it's going to look unattractive. And it's like, we're not, we're, we don't build muscle like that. It's actually really great for metabolism, for our health. I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. Beautiful. All right. So lastly, before we go, Where can people find you? Where can people find your work? So they can find Contodo Press at contodopress.com. I have all of my books listed on there, contodopress.com. On Instagram, Contodo Press. You can also find my personal Instagram at Naive Reynoso. Um, and if you go to Contodo Press, you'll get 15% off if you put that code Tamarindo at checkout for any, any product. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Naive. It's been a pleasure having you join us on Tamarindo. Thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and excited to see what else you do next. Thank you for your platform. So needed. And, and thank you for all the work that you do. I know it's not easy and I know, I know it's a lot of work and I appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Oh, gracias. Muchas gracias. Thank you. Okay. A ti. Well, we love talking to Naive. We love what she's working on. And we just want to lift, uplift anyone that's working on whatever versions of vaccines to, to hate, as Naive expressed so well. And I'm curious, Brenda, I know that misinformation, depolarization, and hate just feel like the norm nowadays. So I'm curious, like, what for you is like your vaccine to, to hate? Well, you know, my vaccine for hate is reading books, you know, reading books, and especially 
for and by women of color. I think that's really important. I'm so excited that Naive is putting some great books out there for for little ones, for adults in in the um, audio space that are hearing us right now. There is a book that I think is essential reading, and I might have mentioned on this podcast before, but let's just say it again. It's called The Warmth of Other Suns, The Epic Story of, Mer- of America's Great Migration by Isabel Wilkerson. I mean, Isabel Wilkerson, but I just said it in my Spanish accent. I think this is a really important book, and I and I feel like reading more books and just being more informed about the true history of the U.S. and the way the history is taught in schools and, and then the limited information that we have is almost like a form of dis- misinformation. So the more that we could fill those gaps and read the stories of the true history of the U.S., this is a perfect example of The Warmth of Other Suns. It talks about the great migration of, of um, Black folks from the South moving to the North and to the West. And I just think it's a really interesting and wonderful example of stories that we're not taught. Like we're not taught a lot of the obstacles and challenges that folks face. We think of the West and the North as, as like these havens of, of progressive places, but in many ways there was equal or not worse challenges. Or sometimes you think about about where there's been police brutality, it's actually happening in some of these north, northern and western places that that there's like misconceptions of things. So I think that's a really fantastic book. But I think another thing that I do to have a vaccine to hate is just work on decentering, right? Decentering me and and reflect on where privilege and, and access has played a role in my quote unquote success or my quote unquote advantages and actually realizing there's a whole system of of, uh, benefits that I, unearned benefits that I enjoy. And I, and I value learning about all that and learning about the systems that are oppressive to many and how we could just be more aware and dismantle those things. So that is a lot, a lot. My vaccine includes a lot, but I guess the bottom line is read more books, read more books. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been doing a lot of that and checking or understanding my own privilege now from a different lens now living in in Mexico, right? And that's a whole nother conversation. But one more, and I also just want to one more time say, I've said this before, is that you could also have a job doing book and movie summaries, Brenda, because you do them so well. Maybe we can do that as a bonus for listeners. We're coming up with all these ideas. So Brenda, let's close it out with our basura, matracas, whatever we got. So what do you want to give your matraca to? Well, you know, speaking of books, speaking of books, I just finished Prisca Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez's book for brown girls with sharp edges and tender hearts. And I want to give her a matraca. This is a fantastic book, and I think it was wonderful. A really great read, definitely a fantastic read, and, and kind of provoked these thoughts that I mentioned earlier, like decentering myself and in and recognizing my privileges. Because, and she also recognizes some of the ways that privilege has played a role in her life. But I think this is this. I don't think the book is for me. But I read it and I enjoyed it. And the reason I say it's not for me, and here's how I'm kind of grappling with this and continuing to kind of like navigate this with my brain is that, you know, I think we're, we're too, oftentimes we, we kind of jump into these traps here of like all Latinas or all brown girls. And, and I, and it's not the same, right? There are, there are so many differences here. So I think Briska in many ways calls that out. And, and, and I think she organized it to me. It's like a collection of essays interwoven with a, with like her own experiences and 
well-researched and very thoughtful and very powerful. And we always, in all of these Latina spaces, the word unapologetic is thrown around. Briska really is unapologetic and does it in such an inspiring way. Like she really fights back against uh, academia, against imperialist values. And it's such a thoughtful and powerful way, but it still reads like a love letter for brown girls with sharp edges and tender hearts. So I just have to say that that it was a fantastic read and folks should definitely check that out. So Ana Sheila, what gets your matraca? I want to give a shout out to 24-year-old Salvadorian Jocelyn Rivas, who recently became a Guinness World Record holder as the youngest woman to complete 100 marathons and something that I found out. Give her a matraca. Let's give it to her. <laughs> something I found out in reading about her is that she was actually born with several broken bone uh, broken bones. And her mother was told that she would never walk, let alone run. And here she is running a hundred marathons. And this is such an amazing feat because I don't know about you, Brenda, but I ran half a marathon one time. And that was like, I, this is so hard. So <laughs> I think you are a runner though. I've You've done run some marathons. Seven marathons. No? <laughs> I've done seven marathons. <laughs> seven That's amazing. Half marathons. Well, to you. <laughs> but, um, very slowly. I've done them very slowly. <laughs> So uh, what goes in la basura for you? So what goes in la basura for me is actually um, something that you let me know about through a post on our Tamarindo podcast Instagram page. Um, The cartoon that uh, Republican representative... I forget his name. He's trash. We don't even know his name. He's just garbage. We don't even name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't deserve a name. Basically, it's a cartoon that he made where he's basically killing... AOC. And I just can't believe that we, that politicians are sharing stuff like that, that that is okay. In any other workplace, you would be fired. And that the fact that that is okay, this is a colleague of hers and that's what's happening and that's allowed to happen. It's just disgusting. So. Yeah. Complete and total garbage. Oh, I agree with you 100%. So my basura goes to the fact that our country is even debating the idea of paid leave for all. The United States is the only industrialized country with no national paid family leave policy. According to paidleaveforall.org, quote, only 21% of U.S. workers have access to paid family leave through an employer, and only 40% have access to short-term disability insurance. Nearly one in four employed mothers return to work within two weeks of giving birth. Can you imagine? And one in five retirees leave the workforce earlier than planned to care for an ill family member. This is not from their website, but another fact is that one in four people in the U.S. will become disabled. So we need our village to take care of us. And so we need paid family leave. And here is a compelling story. Here it is from Margarita Viveros. Quote, two years ago, just after my 16th birthday, I was diagnosed with ulcerative, I can't pronounce that, but ulcerative colitis, an autoimmune disorder. I had a flare-up so severe it caused a stroke, and I spent weeks in the hospital recovering. I have had my fair share of hospital stays, but the pain is not the stay itself. It's in the thoughts that my mother, a farm laborer, The one who keeps a roof over my head can lose her job and everything that she has worked for while making sure I'm able to recuperate. I have seen how that fear consumed my mother, adding another weight to her shoulders. And so that is a really clear illustration of how 
critical paid family leave could be for a family, in this case, a family where the, the sole income provider is a farm worker and has a child that has an emergency and she has to take care of this child. It is just an abomination that we don't have paid family leave, a federal policy around that. And I'm hopeful, though, I'm hopeful that there's going to be a change soon. So a la basura that we don't have it yet. A la basura. That is so heavy. Uh, ay, ay, ay. Uh, well, maybe switching lanes a little bit. Um, is there anything that's giving you calma right now, Brenda? Gosh, I mean, I guess I'm going to stay with the theme of books. Everybody read books. Books are important. But I, it was especially nice to hear the book that I just finished from Briska, to hear it in her voice. So audiobooks. I like audiobooks, and especially when they're read by the author. I find that to be very calming to hear their own thoughts read out loud. So I would say that audiobooks is my calma. How about you, Ana Sheila? How are you staying grounded? So what's giving me calma is actually that we are giving ourselves a little bit of time to rest. We've been working hard. And so we are taking a week off for Thanksgiving. So next week you will not get to have us in your ears, but we will be right back. Just give us, give you a little time to miss us a little bit. So we will be taking one week off, giving ourselves a little calma, reconnecting, re-nourishing. And also as a reminder, Naive Reynoso's new children's book, Courageous Camila, is out officially on December 8th. It's an excellent gift for the kids in your life. So check that out, as well as all of our other children's books at Contodo Press, spelled C-O-N-T-O-D-O Press. And of course, make sure to use the promo code TAMARINDO, all caps on their website, for 20% off any of their books. Anything else you want to say, Brenda? Yeah, y'all. Just thank you so much to Contodo Press for working with us, for partnering with us. We have super appreciate Naive and team. And we would love to work with many of you. So if you're listening, don't forget, you can always contact us and explore partnerships. So hasta la próxima. Ponte un suéter. Yeah. Bye, y'all. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no-excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our store up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro.